Look, you got a pitcher on a team. Sure. The pitcher's name. Tamara. You don't want to tell me the day? I'm telling you, then man. Go ahead. Tamara. What time? What time what? What time tomorrow are you going to tell me who's pitching? Now listen, who is not pitching? I'll who break is... your arm, you say. Ron and Annie and two other shops had replaced the alternator in the power steering pump. That left me with the air conditioner. When you spun the air conditioning compressor, it sounded like this. That kind of hurts my throat when I do that. I don't think I can do that anymore. The car doctor. But why didn't the other shop try to take the belt off first? Why did they just start changing parts? And why did the dealership put a timing belt on? How come nobody could figure this out? I felt like Bill Cosby in that clip where he says, oh, yeah, and I've heard it before. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now... Meet the Mets. Meet the Mets. Step right up and greet the Mets. Here's Ronnie. Oh, that's our shortstop. Come on. Hey, 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 welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor, happy to be here with you today, as always, as we get together each and every weekend and spend some time talking about automobiles and the problems and the thrills and the ups and the downs and all points in between. I was thinking a lot about Volkswagen this week. It was on the forefront of my on my mind. And by the way, if you're looking for us, uh, give us a call at 855-560-9900. That's 855-560-9900. But let's get into the opening monologue. I was thinking about Volkswagen a lot this week. It, it was on the forefront of my mind. You know, they're in the news. They're, 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 there's this recall. There was conversation I had read that they may potentially, believe it or not, sell Audi to help pay for the recall uh, that Volkswagen is going to suffer through in the cost. And I thought that was I thought that was stunning because Audi is just making them so much money. And then I came across this 2006 Jetta TDI that came into the shop for some service, and after servicing it. I realized how Volkswagen is going to fix this problem. They're going to make the cars go away. They're going to make cars, they're going to make parts obsolete and it's real easy. The majority of those vehicles under recall or at least half of those vehicles under recall are over 7 years old. There's your 7-year parts limit. And every year that 7-year parts limit creeps up on the others and they're not required to manufacture parts for them. Here's how I know. This 2006 Jetta TDI with a 19 diesel, the oil filter adapter O-ring, where the oil cooler bolts to the bottom of the housing, was seeping. And it's a common failure. They all do it. And it's it's very critical to have a good seal there because as the conversation goes, what we've seen in the past and what we've read and what we've discussed with other shops and, and, and repair people is when that seal fails, think space shuttle. It's over in 30 seconds. That O-ring leaks, the oil comes out, it loses oil pressure, and gone. And it's a real problem. So you call up and you order that particular part, number 117-04030-B. I think that was the number. Um, And different one shows up. It doesn't look like the one you want. Instead of having seven locating tab holes and the O-ring is so thick with a port cut out for the oil, it's now just a singular O-ring with two locating tabs. It doesn't look like it's really going to do the job it's supposed to. The, the rubber feels different, looks different. There's just something not right about it. So you go back to the Volkswagen dealer, who is is almost as useless as the parts they sell, 
and they spend 20 minutes looking it up and conferring, and you've got these two guys standing there talking to each other. Well, I think it's this, and I think it's that. Guys, do you know? Have you sold one of these before? I've done quite a few of these, and I think I know the parts catalog better than you. I don't understand. And they hand you this singular O-ring with two locating tabs on it, and, well, this may work. Well, you know, I can't deal with a may. I have to have this will work because what I'm basically doing is open-heart surgery, and I'm putting in an artery graft, and I've got to know it's going to hold because if this leaks, I know that this engine is going to be gone before the guy has the smarts or the ability or the time or the patience to turn it off. And then I realized maybe this is all part of it. You know, if we want to have a black helicopter conspiracy conversation, maybe this is the plot. We made these cars that didn't pass emissions. We got caught. You know what? Now we're not going to make parts available. Maybe this is a little too early because this is all something I'm seeing within the last month since the recall. But it opened my mind up to the fact that I bet we're going to start to see problems with getting parts for Volkswagens. I mean, they've never been a very easy car to get parts for anyway, at least correct ones from Volkswagen. And they've kind of got the bull by the horns. If you get out to the Car Doctor Facebook page, there's a great article that appeared in the New York Times a couple of days ago. And it talks about how Volkswagen owners are so mad at Volkswagen because they're going to take away their power and their fuel economy when they do this change to repair it to make it produce emissions within federal guidelines that they're not going to bring their cars in to get the repairs done. They're just going to drive on polluting and they don't care. So much for Volkswagen owners being people that are conscious about the environment. And the federal government says there's nothing they can do. They're going to have a real struggle. They're going to cause they're going to have Volkswagen come up with a way that they're going to have to come up with a reason to bring in their car. Now, General Motors, the article points out that, and I thought this was really ridiculous, General Motors, the article states, required or gave people a $25 gift card to come in for their ignition switch recall, which caused people to die because of, and it's right in the article. Tom's looking at me like I'm nuts. Tom, it's in the article. Go to the Car Doctor Facebook page. Look at the link for the New York Times it's there. It's about four or five paragraphs down. General Motors is giving away gift cards to convince people to come in and have the ignition switches replaced. And I said, what's Volkswagen going to do? Give you a gift card to, I don't know where. I get a lot of things I could say. I'm not sure if I can say, you know, um, beer hall or scrapyard on radio. It's probably not very politically correct. But what the heck, I won't be politically correct today. So really, Volkswagen kind of holds the cards here. And for all the Volkswagen owners that are out there saying, nah, I'm never going to take it in. I like the fuel economy. I'm getting 55 miles to the gallon and all that stuff. Guess what? How about this? And I've got the real simple solution. I'm going to put it out on the airways, and maybe the federal government will hear it. If they're looking for a way to require Volkswagen owners to bring in the cars, I've got the one that's absolutely perfect. You don't bring in the car, we're going to put a black mark on your record. You're not allowed to register the vehicle, and we'll deny registration. I mean, that's where it's going anyway. Because whether you realize it or not, the number one thing about automotive that trumps everything else is clean air. Emissions are what they're after. They're chasing clean air. They don't care if your kids were rushed to the hospital in the backseat of that car. They just want to know that that car is not producing emissions beyond federal guidelines. And if they have to deny you the ability to register that vehicle, that's what they're going to do. At some point, it'll come to that. Some bureaucrat will think of it, and all of a sudden it'll get into the consciousness of the mindset of those that powers that be, and you're going to just see 
you can't register Volkswagens anymore unless their vehicles have had the emissions recall. And then you got to see the emissions recall. Holy cow, I saw some ideas about it. They're putting all kinds of pollution control devices on these cars. It's going to be an absolute nightmare to work on. It's going to get to the point where you don't want to own one, which I'm already there. Took a class this week on European cars. Yeah, I go back to school all the time. And it was kind of funny that it ran concurrent with the Volkswagen that I was dealing with in the shop. And the instructor opened up with European cars are great to work on. However, they're very labor intensive. And I'm thinking, yeah, this guy's right. This guy's got it going on. And every time you work on a European car, there's always a part supersession. I'm thinking, yeah, this guy's right. He knows what he's saying. And he wasn't wrong. They are labor intensive. They are subject to part supersessions. They are subject to changes in repair procedure weekly. And it doesn't seem like the European car manufacturers do nearly the job of the big three. And I reverted to calling them the big three now, Ford, GM, and Chrysler. I think I want to bring back the old days. Talk about social consciousness. I'll, I'll bring Detroit back to the forefront if I have to drag it there, kicking and screaming by their heels. I just stop and I think that we've really got to take a look at the way we're treating vehicles today. And we've got to be aware of how they're treating us. And we've got to take a look at what we expect from them. I look, I walked out of that European class thinking, no wonder people don't want to repair European vehicles. You know, everything is a project. Everything is complicated. It's nothing simple. The biggest kick of the night at the, at the class was they talked about how you can buy part number 3358B, which is the Volkswagen windshield wiper angle gauge. Because if the wiper blades chatter coming across the glass, you put this on the end of the wiper arm and you can set it to within a quarter degree accuracy of which way the blade is going to touch the glass. I don't know about you, but on a, on a Chevrolet, we get out a pair of vice grips. We go, okay, that's flat. We're done. It's called uncomplicated. Volkswagens are great. They really are. They're great for business. They're great for Chevrolet dealers and Ford dealers and the like. And European cars are great, and they do ride really well, and I get all that. The question is, and this is what I want you to think about going forward, as you get into that European car and it ages, are you really ready to pay for all that? Do you really want to be part of all that? And if you don't own a Volkswagen, aren't you glad you didn't decide to buy all that? Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here, 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your question. If you've got a comment about Volkswagen, hey, step up to the mic and, you know, take your swings. I'm more than glad to address it and talk to you about it. We've been chatting about it out on Facebook with a couple of people. And it's interesting to see the different sides. And I just remember what I said. Emissions are going to win out each and every time. That's going to be what decides who gets fixed and how. If you're looking for more information about this radio show, cardoctorshow.com is the website. You'll find links to TuneIn, iHeart, iTunes. If you need me during the week, it's Ron at Car Doctor Show. And by the way, stick around this hour. This hour and next is, you know, our usual two hours here on the weekend. We are giving away at some point a $50 gift card, courtesy of the folks at O'Reilly Auto Parts. And we want to thank them for that as being one of our sponsors. And we're also giving a, a $100 gift card for Break Best Select, Break Best, Break Hardware. Good at any O'Reilly Auto Parts. And uh, we're going to be doing all that this hour. We've got a couple of interviews. We're going to be talking to Tim McDonald 
from Mitchell One. We're going to be talking to the folks from Motor Medic about fuel system cleaning. So if you're looking for some automotive information, sit back and relax. There's a great two hours ahead. I'll be back right after this. Get your kids on Route 66. Welcome back. We're on Indian the Car Doctor. Hopefully, we'll drive you home. We'll explain to you how your automobile works because that's what the Car Doctor is all about at 855-560-9900. Let's get over to the phones. Talk to Stan, Chisholm, Minnesota. Stan, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Yeah, thanks. Say, Ron, I have a 2000 Buick Park Avenue 3800 engine. Okay. It's got 99,000 miles on it. Okay, just broken in. There you go. Yeah, just broken in for that car. I, mean, yep. I was driving down the road and it started running rough, and I got the check engine light started flashing. Okay. So I went to O'Reilly's, and I got their uh, scan tooler, and I read this code, you know, and it was P0300 engine misfire. Right. Well, that comes up with about 10 fixes and about uh, 30 reasons why. Yep. So I so I put a fuel injector cleaner in the tank, and I put some filled up with bitter-grade gas, run it, and it went away. But the check engine the light always stays on. I didn't reset it. Right. Does it? Does the the did the misfire go away, Stan, or is it still doing it? Yep. The, the misfire went away, and the light came on, just stayed on steady. Okay. Then you've got to go back. You know, it might be seeing. It still might be seeing misfire, and you just can't detect it. And even though you think it's gone, the first step is going to be go back, clear the code, and does it return right away? Well, you know, it ran real good after I did all this, you know, it but then it came back again, and I can tell right away when it starts misfiring. Right, but I'm uh, that, well. That's what I'm. That's what I'm asking. Does it still yeah. misfire? Well, not when it starts running good. It doesn't seem like it misfires. No. Right, but when it. Okay, let's start over. Hi, See, this when is, it starts when it starts misfiring, the light starts flashing. When it right. doesn't misfire, and it's running good. It's on steady. All right, let's let's start over. This is Ron and in the car doctor Stan. When you yeah. poured the fuel injector cleaner in the tank and the car started to run good and it stopped missing, did the light go out? No. Okay. And then you drove it next day, next hour, what? And then it started to misfire again? You could feel it starting to miss? Yep. I drove it again and started missing again. Okay. So then, I... the, so then the fuel injection cleaner had no bearing on it. Agreed? Probably, I don't know. Well, I don't know, but... It, it didn't do anything. The problem never went away. So the, the problem with this is it's a P0300, and it's not definitive as to whether it's one particular cylinder over another. Right. But, but one of the ways to approach this, okay, is start looking at maintenance. It's got 100,000 miles on it. When was the last time you put spark plugs in it? Ever? You know, I don't know. I bought it used. Okay, so but the mechanic looked mechanic looked at it and he told me, "Look, those wires look like they're new, you know." And uh, well, and so he assumed new, that the plug change. But I don't know. New doesn't mean good, and assumption's not a great place to have an auto repair. So here's what I'm going to okay. tell you to do. All right, I want you to get back to O'Reilly Auto Parts, and I would ask you to price out some of their ignition. Let's start with basics. Pull a plug, take a look at a plug, and go back and talk to the folks at O'Reilly Auto Parts where you went for the scan. Maybe a set of plugs and wires. Get a good name brand. Talk to them. See what they have. Uh, they should have stuff from Delphi, and if you can get it, great stuff. 
But whatever O'Reilly Auto Parts tells you will work. Believe me, they're good, honest folks. They'll tell it to you and set you straight. If it hasn't been done, and if the stuff that's on there is poor quality, then ignition is a great place as far as maintenance is concerned. After that, if the car has individual ignition coils, well, I'll tell you what, before we go down that road, check on the plugs and wires. Call me back next week, and uh, I can give you a little bit more advice, Stan. Let's get on over and talk to Summer in Palm Springs, California. Some problems with a 95 BMW. Yes, Summer, you're on with the car doctor. How can I help? Well, the horn stopped working, and they can make it blow from underneath the hood. It has something to do with this, you know, the airbag and the steering column and my private mechanic wants to um, he wants to replace the entire steering column. I just want to know if there's any way to bypass that operation. <laughs> well, probably what's what's wrong from from what you're describing to me is the clock spring is bad up in the top of the steering column, and you know I'm wondering why he wants to, he probably wants to replace the column maybe because he's found a salvage yard part that's cheaper than the clock spring itself from BMW? Has he descri- has he described any of this to you as to a reason why? Well, that sounds right. Okay, yeah, and that's that's what I'm going to assume. Either that or the clock spring may not be readily available from BMW. Hey, listen, this is a perfect segue from my, from my conversational opening about European cars. Very labor-intensive, parts supersede, parts get recalled, parts disappear that you can't get them anymore. Here's a 20-year-old car that, you know, you're, you're faced with this, and I'm sure the numbers they're giving you are like telephone numbers. What kind of dollars are involved here, are they saying? Um, somewhere under $500. That's cheap. Welcome to the world of European cars as they age. That really is. I'm not being a wise guy. That's that's I actually... That's, I've, I, I've already put 14000 in it since I purchased it in 2009, and right. had well over 200000 in it. Right. But is there any is there any way to rig up a horn that just doesn't have anything to do with <laughs> with the, the horn and the steering column? Well, you know, sure. There's a way to put a button mounted on the dash or something, but law, all right, motor vehicle law, as far as for safety inspection, as far as for your safety, you want to fix that steering wheel because I don't think the vehicle will pass inspection any other way. Here's the reason why you want to fix the car right if this if this sets it straight in your mind and justifies it. Because when you go to blow the horn to get somebody out of your way that's, that's jaywalking and you don't want to hit them, in your mind, you're going to go for the horn pad. If that horn button's on top of the dashboard and you reach to the wrong spot, could be a fatality, could be something worth worse. Your safety and their safety is at, is at stake. So I say fix it right. But understand this. If you're leery about spending 500 on this, you got to think about would you be leery on spending 500 on the next repair? And maybe that's telling you it's time to get rid of this vehicle. It's getting older. Hey, Tim McDonald's next from Mitchell One. Stick around. I'm Ron Nanny and the Car Doctor. We're back right after this. Ron Nini and the Car Doctor. You know, we always talk about shop management and computerization and repair information, and it's always fun to talk to our next guest. We uh, get to do that once or twice a year, and it's become an annual event when we reach out to the folks over at Mitchell One and Tim McDonald, and uh, we hear what's new in their world, and uh, what's new in their world ultimately filters down to what's new in my world as well as other repair shops across the country, and we're always glad to have them here with us. Tim, welcome back, sir. How are you today? 
Ron, it's fantastic to be here with you today. Um, tell us a little bit. You know, SEMA's right around the corner, the big trade show. SEMA Apex, I should say. Uh, right. the, the big show out there in Vegas coming up. And, you know, there's always new stuff. I'll say it like that. There's stuff in your basement that you guys bring up and um, uh, spring out upon the automotive world. And uh, I wanted to do that this year, as we always do, and talk a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about um, let's talk about shop management. What's new in the world of computerized shop management for you guys? Well, I'll tell you this, Ron. For the last year or so, we've been doing an auto update, which means that we're updating the software across the Internet uh, with a much greater frequency, which means that we're delivering enhancements and um, changes and corrections to the shops much sooner. And that has brought us to 2015, which is uh, our 20th anniversary year of doing Windows shop management. So uh, we're very excited about this year's Apex because we always have something big to show, and, and obviously the, the big points this year are going to be the brand-new schedule module because, as you know, using a shop um, or working in a shop, rather, with a scheduler, it's very important to have that key information in the moment. And when you're trying to cultivate improved customer relationships, you want to be able to give them uh, an update with more information in the moment. And this scheduler allows you that, that great business overview of your employees and your equipment and your bays and to quickly make sure that you're not double booking. That means you keep promises to customers. And, and that's important. And, you know, what I've learned in, in using Mitchell over the years is, for example, we've we've upgraded to, is it 6.4 now or SE? I guess Manager SE is really where well, we're SE, at. Well, right? SE, right. SE is all versions that start with a 6, and we're at 6.6 .6 right now. Okay. Um, and when the scheduler comes out, that will be version 7. Wow. Yeah. But, but one of the things I've learned this year with SE is, is as we talk to customers and, and we see the updates and the changes that are encompassed, and, and now with things like the scheduler, people are looking for that interaction. They're looking for that. You know, they want to talk to you on social media. They want the ability to text, and they want to know where their car is, and they want – and you guys are definitely going in the right direction. Not that you need me to tell you that, but, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I can tell you based on what we talk to people in the shop, in, in the waiting area, they're looking for exactly what you're doing. Now, you just don't sit around a coffee table out there in California going, yeah, let's do this this year. What brought you to design this module? Because I'm sure there was a lot of conversation that created it. As far as the schedule module? Yeah, as far as the schedule uh, modules. Well, it's always, been, it's always been less than sufficient. In other words, it was really giving you a porthole of information. I could see the customer and a little bit about time and notes, but I didn't have that magic visibility of the vehicle more about the customer, more about um, the facilities in the shop. And so what we've done is we talk to, you know, we'll t roll it out to a focus group and say, okay, you guys have used the software for a long time. How do you feel about this? Are we going in the right direction? And we just did that in conjunction with our shop management workshop event in Orlando about three weeks ago, and they completely validated uh, where we were and felt that this scheduler potentially could be as important for shop visibility as the work-in-progress screen. Yeah, you know, see, that's what I like about you guys. You've got your finger on the pulse. Uh, you know, one of the things I've noticed, and I was waiting to see if you would say it, you're always talking to a focus group. You've always got it out there in test. You've always got it looking for feedback. And that's important because the shop is getting the feedback from the customer, and then the shop gives the feedback to you. It's like a big circle. It, it just all goes around and comes out yeah, better exactly. for everybody. Yeah, 
Yeah. We've got that 20 years of history, but we also have 10 years of history with the shop management forum where there is that exchange of ideas and trying things on, and we take a lot of guidance towards improvements from there. And for the consumers out there that are listening today, the ones that they don't own a repair shop and maybe they don't fix cars, I think what they've got to have as a takeaway from this conversation is using a repair shop that is computerized with management and then obviously service information. You can't say enough about that. Um, they're dealing with a shop that's really giving them every advantage to getting the car fixed properly and as effectively as possible each and every time. Exactly. As I say with the schedule, you're keeping promises, but also by using uh, our Message Pro add-on, then you're actually having two-way texting with that customer, and you're getting approvals for work, which increases the efficiency in the shop, and the customer's getting the work done at top quality sooner. Right. Let's talk a little bit about pro demand. And let me, let me, is this the complaint department, Tim? We're talking to Tim <laughs> McDonald from Mitchell One. Um, That's what it says on my shirt. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I'm with the right guy. You know, the first time I, I, I ran through pro demand, I've got to tell you, I was a little lost. It, it was a completely new interface. This was a year and a half ago, I guess it was. And it took some getting used to. And then in the last couple of five, six months, it seems like all of a sudden, you know, you woke up and poof, you're in a different universe, different reality, and everything just works better. What did you guys make different? Well, well, thank you. I mean, you did point out a logical progress, progression there. What's happening is um, the repair, the volume of the repair information itself obviously is growing ast- astronomically, and we're taking a cover-to-cover service manual approach, which is great. We have all this information in it, but now how do I get you there? And that's the key um, factor that we've improved. So what happens now is when you look up a Yermak model, engine, body style, you're presented with the one search page. And what we wanted, the whole purpose there was to start putting information in front of you rather than having you stand out in the hallway and guess what to do next. Right. So what happens is you see the top 10 items that are uh, being looked up for that vehicle, the top 10 trouble codes, uh, top 10 TSBs, uh, what are people looking at for this and this vehicle specifically. And then We've expanded our quick link shortcuts and put it right across the middle of the page in a ribbon because a lot of times folks just want to get in there and get torque specs or they need a belt routing or engine firing order. So now there's shortcuts for that and tire fitment and component locator and wiring diagrams, all of that right there, plus the standard search. And I guess probably the evolution that you're speaking to is what we did to search is to tighten up the results that the search returns so that it is always in the appropriate category. And so by enhancing or enriching that data, we get it out there in the, um, the fashion that we have envisioned, which is if you're looking at this, then you probably need this, and then that leads to this. Right. That's one of the things I noticed. You know, you'll, you'll, like I, I, when I originally did it, for example, I might have typed in tire pressure. Mm-hmm. And I would get anything that had tire and pressure in it. It was The list was whew, exactly. out, the, out the door. In, exactly. in the last six months, since the last you know makeover, so to speak, uh, or the upgrade, if I type in tire pressure, I get tire pressure. You you filtered it down. Um, <laughs> yes, you, you know, uh, you, I would you, tell you that the the search logic has been enhanced quite a bit. And then you know the standard rule of any search is is to make it as brief as possible. Don't type in how do I replace the water pump. Just re- just water pump. Right. Boom. There you Key, go. Keywords. You're using keywords in a exactly. in, in, in a very creative and and, and very uh, you know thorough manner. It just it gets the job done. It um, does. And the returns we're getting now. Not only are you getting the OE what the OE says, but you're also getting the SureTrack, which is the expert community uh, feedback on items as well. Right. Right. Well, Tim, I got to tell you, you guys are you're on track. You're on beam. You're doing a great job. Is um, if anybody is going to be out at the uh, Apex SEMA show, do you happen to know your booth number where you're going to be if they want to stop by and say hello? 
actually do because I looked it up this morning. We will be at the Apex booth 644, and at SEMA we'll be uh, manning a kiosk or workspace as part of the Snap-on group. Perfect. Hey, listen, Tim, we appreciate it. Any place the listeners can go, there's a website, too, if they want more information? Absolutely. Uh, you should be going to MitchellOne.com, and from there you can look at various products and support options and training that we have available. Cool beans. Listen, you say hello to Mr. Doulette and tell him uh, we said hey from New Jersey. I surely will. All right. Take you take care. You take good care. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor, and we are back right after this. the car doctor let's get over and talk to steve in cincinnati ohio steve welcome to the car doctor how can i help hey ron i just had to uh give you a call and chime in about the uh, volkswagen oh debacle. sure yeah okay what do you got what's on your mind well i just got i was i was reading an article that uh someone had written and literally didn't read i kind of scanned over it and uh the guy in the article he had mentioned volkswagen and other companies that have had problems, as you know, like General Motors with their ignition switches and what they did and so forth. And the guy made an interesting point. He says, he says, what's happened to the integrity in the automotive industry? It's like everything is for profit, you know, and the consumer's put on the back, back burner. Yep. And there, there's no pride. You know, I go back to yeah. it. I remember as a kid, and it was, it's, it's almost, I was, I'm almost too young to remember it fully, but I remember there was something going on. I remember the early '60s. You would go, you would go past the Chevrolet dealer every September, and the windows were brown papered because they were releasing the new models, and they didn't want you to see them until mm-hmm. they were off. And the cars came into the dealership at night, and they were offloaded. And then the next morning, you would go by, and they'd have this grand opening celebration or you know grand presentation. And and, and yeah, there was there was pride in what we did. Now. You know what people are saying about the Volkswagen recall that blows my mind? They're going, well, yeah, but but everybody's cheating, so that makes it okay. What do you mean that makes it okay? Where's the standard, all right? You know, the only place I know you can get away with cheating is the NFL. Look at Tom Brady. But other than that, (laughs) you know, other than that, I I just, I don't see it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, Well, the thing that really kills me about Volkswagen, you know, they they did this to get a little extra power and a little extra fuel economy. My research has shown the fix on it, the fix that they have, is only going to really knock the fuel mileage down. If they would have fixed the, you know, designed the thing right to begin with, right, it would only right. knock the gas mileage down, maybe the fuel economy down, maybe four or five miles to the gallon. It's just it's mind-boggling to think that they would do something like that over that little bit. There's it a... just don't make any sense. There's a there's a fellow I go to breakfast with on Friday, and for lack of a better way to say it, he works with a couple of German engineers. They're from Germany. They're engine. Volkswagen is the only car they will drive. Their justification mm-hmm. for what Volkswagen did is everybody does it. They just haven't gotten caught yet. As far as I know, and, I've been and watching. That may the, very well be. I, sure, <laughs> but you know the other side of that, Steve, is as I watch the news. GM has been caught doing something wrong. Chrysler's been caught doing something wrong. Heck, this week Toyota recalled six and a half million cars for power window switch problems. So, 
everybody's getting caught. I don't know where this attitude of, you know, it's okay, everybody does it, comes from. Because in reality, the, the, the problem and the fault comes back to what you started the conversation with. It's Volkswagen's fault. It's GM's fault. It's Ford's. Mm-hmm. It's, nobody has pride in what they do anymore. And everything, yep. it's a fast food mentality type of world that we live in. And when there's a problem, it includes that because we want to get rid of it as fast as we got the problem. It's okay. Don't worry about it. We'll pass it on to the next generation. Let them worry about yep. it. And then think about, too, what about the poor the poor guy out there that buys one of these VW franchises? I mean, he's put, his, he's put these products out for years. He's told his customers, his friends, his neighbors, look, this is a great product. It's this and that. And then all of a sudden, something like this happens. And what happens to his credibility? Right. What happens to his business? Volkswagen is sitting there saying, "Oh, we're sorry," but what are they doing for these poor people? What happens to the? You know, what about the? What about the poor father out there who's been working to put his kid through college, and you know, the most yep. car he could afford was this Volkswagen Jetta that 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 cost X number of dollars, and now because of this recall, do you know? I heard that a, a lot of the dealers are not taking Volkswagen Jetta, the TDI diesels, in on on on. Um, uh, when you know the sale is made, they won't take it as a trade in. It's it's got no yep. value. And, and what happens to well, them? And and well, that's not a only problem. that, but yeah, not only that, but can they sell that vehicle? Right, right. That and they've taken in. You know, yeah, I don't know what the rule is for them. I know that right now EPA is saying that it's okay for for people to continue driving their cars and stuff. But it's like you said, at some point in time, they're going to the states are going to step in and say. I don't think so. Right. How long do you think it's going to take California to say, you either fix this car or you get it off the road? Or, or you don't register. Steve, I'd love to chat. The clock's going to take me. But I'll tell you what, buddy, I appreciated talking to you. Harry gave me the high sign. We've got a $100 gift card courtesy of Break Best Break Hardware. Good at any O'Reilly Auto Parts coming your way. So the next time you do a brake job for you and everyone else out there, think about changing your brakes hardware. Think about Break Best Break hardware, good at any O'Reilly Auto Parts. Steve, that $100 gift card's coming your way. Stay on the line. I'm Ron and Andy in the Car Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the knee in the car, Doctor. Here, let's get over to Kyle in Texas, 2002 Ford Thunderbird. Some issues. Kyle, I've got two minutes. How can I help? Well, I have a 2002 Thunderbird, and it has a whopping 17,000 miles on it. And I went down to get an inspection sticker on it for my son, and the driver's side tail light stoplight is working. But the passenger side is not, and neither one of the reverse lights is working. Okay. So I own tested all of the fuses in the front fuse box and in the rear, and then I tested all of the relays in the front and the rear, and then I went down and bought new bulbs because they're not that expensive, replaced all the bulbs, and I had the same problem. Okay. So let's let's back up a second. If you go to the taillight sockets, either any of them that aren't working, when you step on the brake, does any are any of one of those pins powered? Do you have 12 volts there? Yes, on the driver's side. Right, but on the side that's not working, do you have power? Yes or no? 
I haven't used a test light to check that part. Okay, and maybe not a test light. I'd rather see you do it with a DVOM. I've gotten away from using test lights on cars, and there's certain places where I'll use a test light, but on a computer car, I get in the habit of using a voltmeter just because it's safer in terms of what it can do to a computer module. And the truth is, when you're working on anything today, even something as simple as, as lights, there's probably a computer and a module involved. What I would tell you to so do you is... Can, go ahead, real quick, what's your uh, question? So, so I can just take a, an, a, a, a test meter that I already have, uh, ground it to the car, and then test right. the pins individually test the pins. in the right. pocket? Right, so what are we missing? Because are we missing power or are we missing ground? All right. And right. depending upon what we're missing will tell me how to attack it. If we're missing a power, you've got to trace the circuit back and look for a commonality where it's, it's missing from. My guess is we're going to be missing a ground. And at that point, again, a wiring diagram will come in very handy here to look for common faults. I want to look for a specific ground, something in common that that brake light and the two reverse lights have in common. Repair that ground and you'll repair the problem. Call me back if you need more help, Kyle. I'm sorry, the clock's going to get me. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.